This is Josh Mills. Oh, I, I, this is not John Mills. <laughs> We've got Seth Barlow over there, and this is Acquired Tastings, and we are very happy to have you guys here today. I'm happy to have my good friend Seth Barlow, wine writer extraordinaire from the Arkansas Democrat Gazette, back on with us for a wonderful wine podcast. Yeah, this is my second episode. Very excited. Yeah. This will be perhaps the best podcast episode ever. It does have that possibility. I am a little worried about the wine, but we're going to give it a fair shake. I understand how daunting it is to be this close to perfection. So, <laughs> Wait, you were the wine. Both. <laughs> or I guess in this case, all five. Yeah, because we have four bottles of wine here. But before kind of Seth gets going about that, I'm going to talk about what we've got going on our plates today. So for our food, we've got some Toulouse sausage, which made an appearance last week. We have some saffron parmesan risotto, which absolutely looks delicious. Very excited. We have some garlic pepper chicken legs and then chocolate creme brulee. Chocolate creme brulee, Seth is uh, a little worried about, but he's also excited because he thinks one of the wines might actually go well. Yeah. Well, this is a little bit different than a normal episode because in this case, you handled all the food, I handled all the wine, and we didn't exchange notes beforehand. No, we didn't. So I was kind of flying blind, but I did kind of made some guesses and I have I have a feeling a lot of this is going to go well. The creme brulee is the the odd the odd duck here. I'm cautiously optimistic that it, I've got it, something that might work. Well, however it's going to be, it's going to be great. But before we kind of get into it, we have to talk about the blind from last week. Uh, last week, Seth, uh, just so you know, we had Dave and Steven and George on the show and we talked a lot a lot about high low liquors, what makes them more expensive, those sorts of things. And I got David and Steven to blind the liquor last week, and it was a lot of fun. They came down and said that Steven said he thought it was an American whiskey, and Dave, being, you know, extra, went all the way down and said that it was Woodford Reserve. It was some Angel's Envy bourbon. Yeah, Jordan uh, Jordan brought out a couple of her whiskey selections last week, and it was... It was good. So, you know, I'm going to give them for their first time doing a blind. You know, they did they did very well. Yeah, that's that's about as close as I would have gotten. I'm, <laughs> I'm not as good on my on my liquors. So. so I kind of told you about the food. So, Seth, why don't you tell us uh, what we what we're going to be doing today? Well, this kind of came out of a discussion you and I have had, I feel like many times about a claim that I like to make that Chardonnay is the greatest grape. You know, I'm not saying it's my favorite grape, but I think that objectively it is the best workhorse in the wine world. And I don't really care for most Chardonnays that come across my plate. I have learned that I love sparkling Chardonnay. Who doesn't? I mean, it's fantastic. There are certain styles that I really enjoy, but I always always have a hard time with it because I get a cream corn or a corny kind of flavor on it that I don't enjoy. I mean, really, I think that we should have had creamed corn as a pairing. I almost did it. So we (laughs) we could finally rid you of that notion altogether. I don't know if it would have ridded it. It may have actually just confirmed my own thoughts. <laughs> I, I, it's a chance I'm willing to take. So, so tell us what we're going to do with Chardonnays. I'm here. I've got four Chardonnays. They are wines that I chose because they, I think, really toy with the notion of old world versus new world. Mm-hmm. Some of them might appear to be very much one school or the other, and, and maybe they are old world or maybe they're not. Maybe they're new world. Maybe they're not. Right. I've got them all wrapped in tinfoil here, so you don't know what they are. I do, but unfortunately, they're all they're all in burgundy bottles, so I'm <laughs> I'm not totally sure which is which. <laughs> We're just gonna taste through them. There's no right order. Kind of just get some, I think, some honest feedback about the wines. We'll we'll play with the pairings, 
then we'll kind of unwrap them and see if some of the suspicions that we had were correct. Okay, so do you want to just do one at a time? We've got two glasses in front of us. Do you want to do two at a time? How do you, um, you kind of want to roll? Do, let's do two, and I'm just okay. gonna let you. I'm just gonna let you pick because oh. again, they're all in brandy bottles, and I don't totally know which is which. All right, so we'll go ahead and start pouring these. As Seth says, perfection in a bottle. Some of these are perfection in a bottle, I guess, to him. I always say that Charney is the greatest grape. It's not actually my favorite. I just think it's like the best. And it comes to, you know, its diversity, utilitarianism, as far as what you can do with it. Mm-hmm. I just don't think there's anything that really rival. So is it, isn't it? it kind of a finicky grape to grow too? You know, yes and no, because Chardonnay actually grows pretty much all of the world. Mm-hmm. It, it, I, if there is a counting of, of how many countries does Chardonnay grow in, I, surely it's got to be at the top for, for grapes. Right. I think Chardonnay is so, so influenced by climate, you know, just those few degrees really turn those flavors from those really lovely apple orchard pear thing to that sort of pineapple guava mango thing. Not saying one is better than the other, but it really gets affected by climate in really interesting ways. And so I think, I wouldn't say it's difficult to grow, but I would say that it is maybe a little difficult to get exactly perfect. Okay. So when we're talking in the, in the realms of aromatic, neutral, those sorts of words when we talk about grapes. What is Chardonnay? So I think of Chardonnay as the most blank of canvases. I think it is relatively medium acidity. It's not super aromatic. It's not super, it's not just super, it's not super anything. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I poured up two, I think I found the extremes (laughs) of the bottles that you brought. Maybe. I mean, Chardonnay, I think is more than anything, it's it's not about the grape. It's about what the winemaker wanna says with the grape. Okay. Which is why I, I explicitly chose these four wines from these four producers. Because mm-hmm. I think each of them is a really fun and interesting take on the grape that doesn't just rely on the name of a village. Okay, cool. Well, let's go ahead and start. These are two very different colored wines, first mm-hmm. of all. One of them is, you know, really light, you know, kind of a very pale, like yellow. Almost green. Almost, yeah. Almost has that green tint. Like, this is something that if I was training somebody on what having a secondary color of, like, green or silver would be, like, this would be a great example because it does have that remnants of those colors. Oh, that's floral on the nose. Yeah. The only thing that makes this one different <laughs> bottle-wise is it came in a screw. It's true. Yeah. I wanted to take that off there just to, just to hide it even more, but I couldn't cut through it. <laughs> Couldn't cut through the neck. You couldn't get through there. Yeah, to me, that's just so salty. Yeah. Almost briny. Mm-hmm. It, it definitely has those kind of apple-y, apple-y characteristics to it. Almost, like you said, salty. Has some, like, minerality to it as well. I'm not getting my note of corn yet. Oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> I knew wow. it was. Here's the thing. I knew it's not on all Chardonnay. Because mm-hmm. I've had some Chardonnays that I really enjoy. They usually just seem to be older Chablis that I like. Mm-hmm. Which Chablis is a region in what you kind of consider it northeast. That's sort of it's nor- northern right. Burgundy. Yeah, it's uh, north of Burgundy, and they're really known for, for they only make Chardonnay. Mm-hmm. Really yeah. lovely Chardonnay at that. Very very good Chardonnay, especially when it gets old. I had a oh in two thousand seventeen. I had a oh one Grand Cru Chablis, and it was it was very lovely. You know, we know Chablis is one of those areas that's being really affected by climate change. Mm-hmm. You know, those slopes, is, as, as it gets warmer, they get even more direct sunlight, gets hotter. I think within our lifetime, we're going to be drinking some gorgeous white burgundies that are, that are just 
you know, formerly Shibley. Formerly Shibley. So that, I mean, that would be interesting if, you know, if you keep pushing that trend north, then how interesting would it be to get some still Shibley style wines from Champagne? I think, I think that is coming. Yeah. I've definitely had a few still Pinot Noirs from, from Champagne, some okay. Coteau Champenois. Um, they're very much on the, the lighter side, but mm-hmm. definitely, you know, give them a few more warm years and it'll be here before you know it. Yeah. So this one, it's got really good acidity too. Mm-hmm. It's kind of laser focused, but it is the more I'm drinking it and I'm not trying to find my note of Chardonnay, but I am getting that like really ripe tropical kind of thing, which is what for me kind of sometimes can border into that area, which I don't like in the Chardonnays. You know, the first couple of drinks of this was really good. I really like the super linear running straight through my mouth, lightning on the acid, but it it's almost like getting it. It feels like it's almost getting flabbier okay. to me. I don't know. But okay. what do you this is a judgment-free zone. You're you're always allowed to be wrong on your own podcast. I know, I'm, and I'm wrong a lot on my <laughs> podcast. You know, I think a lot of what you say is is really correct. I'm not personally going to getting tons of of tropical notes here. To me, it it almost takes on just a tinge of like a candy tone. So there's lovely like pear orchard. I'm getting lots of like um yellow apple skins. Okay, and then on the finish, there's almost like a hint of not actual sweetness, like no residual sugar, but there is like a if there was like a yellow apple candy or like a pear gummy bear or something right. like that, get almost that like perception of sweetness on the end. Really interesting. I know, uh, of course, what this is, and it does come from a. I think we would both agree, yeah, a cool climate place, which is you know I think you can kind of tell that with that real backbone of a city that kind of goes through the the whole step. Yeah, it's quite good with the risotto. I just had a couple bites of the risotto. The risotto is a saffron parmesan risotto. And not only does it have a little bit of parmesan cheese in it, but I actually found some parmesan rinds when I was at the grocery store and put those in my broth to kind of give that, that rich earthiness. It, it's, I think it goes pretty well or okay with it, but it kind of, it, you lose quite a bit in the wine, I think, with all that creaminess of the risotto. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it works really well. I think the saffron, you know, is really nice and, and floral and aromatic, which... I think really works because this is, in my mind, a very floral Chardonnay. Yeah. Um, getting a lot of lot of white flowers. This reminds me, this is not Pliny Montrachet, but it definitely kind of has that floral characteristic that you get from that village. Okay. So, what are some of your favorite Chardonnays that you that you've had? Still, still Chardonnay. Yes. Oh gosh, there are so many. In California, I really think that a winery called Lioco is doing a great job. They make some fantastic single vineyard Chardonnays from down in the Santa Cruz Mountains. Mm-hmm. Right. Really cool, exposed vineyards there. And then they also do some stuff up in Anderson Valley, so very, very further north, which is great. Of course, in France, I love uh, White Burgundy, uh, Merceau, Ligny, Chassagne, all those, all those great little towns. Who doesn't love those? <laughs> Except you, Josh Mills. There are some that I enjoy. There are some that some. I don't. That's true. We're going to... we're. Just, you just need to make sure we only drink the ones that you love. And I'm okay with that. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Chardonnay, again, to me, it's just when I'm ever, you know, if I'm at a tasting room or, or I'm tasting a portfolio, I'm always interested to see what the Chardonnay is because I think you can tell a lot about a winery and a winemaker what they want to do by how they make their Chardonnay. Are they going for a really commercial sort of like high impact, you know, movie theater buttered popcorn vibe? Right. Or are they going for something more restrained? Are they really trying to showcase that terroir are they putting in a lot of oak or they're doing with sulfur i mean there's a lot of just indicators in a glass of chardonnay that can tell you so much about intention in a way that you don't always get with other wines right and and that's like you said it's because it is kind of a blank canvas grape it is very malleable and it like you said you know we're talking about he talked about you know these little villages in burgundy 
and we're talking about they taste quite different and maybe we're talking five miles at the most yeah at most some of them are even you know 500 feet difference in kind of where they're coming from and the style of the terroir and the weather changes just a little bit and it can really affect the grape you know i'm going back to the risotto and the chardonnay and you know the more I try it, the more it's really working for me. Yeah. I think it's the saffron that's kind of doing it. I'm, I'm, I'm really into it. So we, you talked about how the, you can tell that this is a cool climate Chardonnay. What kind of leads you to that when you're thinking through it? Yeah. So just first, like first sniff, there's almost like a briny minerality to it. You can almost kind of smell the ocean or the shellfish or something, which is lovely. Right. But you also get those really nice, like stone and orchard fruits. So I'm getting lots of pear, lots of like lots of apple. Those are just signifiers that this is from a cooler climate. If you stuck your nose in there and you got pineapple and guava and mango, you know, those, those more tropical fruits are just indicators that it came from a little bit of a warmer place. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, as someone picked the wines, I kind of tried to steer them into things that I thought you had a chance of liking. <laughs> for me, Chardonnay is one of those, it's not for lack of trying, because I do try it when it's around. Like, I've tried those Liocos, mm-hmm. and I have a hard time with them. Most of them. I don't think I've had any of their super single vineyard stuff. I don't think we've gone there yet. Yeah, I think we most, can fix that. <laughs> I think most of the time that I've had the Lioko stuff, it's kind of their main Santa Santa Cruz. No, Russian River. I think. Oh, that's right. It's their main Russian River one that usually shows up at parties where Seth is. It's true. It's it's pretty easy to find around here. They also make a really great Sonoma County wine that I think is like twenty bucks. Um, you can usually find it pretty well around here. For sure. I would, I would definitely recommend that. I think it I think it is all steel tank fermented. Okay. I think you just refilled your glass. Just a little. Um, I think, you know, this wine has a just a touch, touch of like reductive sulfur to it. Mm-hmm. And I actually think it works really well with the sausage. It does. There's that little bit of like char on the outside, which I mm-hmm. think works with the smokiness, that flintiness. Yeah, that works really well. But also I think the um, kind of that garlicky, that kind of garlicky herbaceousness kind of goes in there and works works well with it as as well yeah so do you have any thoughts on where this might be from Mm. no i i don't i mean i could see i have such a hard time with chardonnay because i've had because it's so malleable there are stylistic choices that the winemaker can make Mm -hmm. that makes it seem like it's from somewhere else sure i mean if you're saying cooler climate you can just get a old world or new world i think this might actually be a new world one okay from a obviously from a colder from a cooler climate Mm -hmm. while it does have that briny that briny kind of thing that's one of the things i haven't really had in a lot of old world old world chardonnays okay also most of my old world chardonnay experiences from france and not outside well that's probably for a reason (laughs) yeah i think i may have had one italian chardonnay okay all right well do you want to move on to number two Mm -hmm. now this was the one that made me laugh because you uh you took a whiff and and you made a face it so it is it is golden mm-hmm. it is very very dark it's almost like a good dark gold on there it's almost like a golden raisin and it smells funky mm-hmm. like so what is that is that being reductive is that what that smell is or um is i think it... it's it's characteristic of the of the wine of okay. the place of the style um you know again i was looking for wines that would show the diversity of chardonnay yeah i wanted to get wines that were a little bit off the deep beaten path mm-hmm. So this is just a very common style where this is from, but it's it's a little bit different from probably what we drink every day. Yeah, because it, it smells bruised. It smells like it's bruised fruit. It also has like a, um, reminds me of old champagne with that like 
uh, not mocha, but like white chocolate. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That kind of white chocolate smell. Now, it's very fruit cakey. Yeah. Me. I can see that. Now, it's is rummy. this. Is this color, is this an indication of age, or is it just style and location? Style and location. Okay. I, I do think this is actually the oldest of the wines. Okay. Um, so there may be a slight, um, slight color variation because of age, but no, this is this is a... Uh, is this the chocolate creme brulee pairing? Yes, okay. it is. Yes. <laughs> That's kind of what I thought with the smell of it. Mm-hmm. I was like, I think, I think this may have been the one that he was thinking about. Since you bring it up. You know, but it, it's not as... It's not as bruised on the palate. It's it's so fresh. Yeah, and I'm getting like a a nut, like a pecan, kind of like a pecan or a walnut kind of flavor at the end. It's it reminds me of like almost reminds me of my mom's uh, pecan pie. This may, this may be a good pecan pairing. Okay, it, you know, I I tried it with the creme brulee and yeah, I said I said you know that just might work and and it might just work. It might just work. I I do think that the 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 brulee top mm-hmm. is it maybe a little too sweet yeah so i'm gonna try it again without that um just get to the the cream underneath but yeah it's got it's not super rich chocolate Mm-mm. oh it's 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 relatively light and so you get this like nutty to me it's almost like rum raisin like aroma from the wine itself mm-hmm. <laughs> you're right that that is very very surprising and i think that that like white chocolatey kind of like you said fruit cake mm-hmm. Uh, ness of the the taste of the wine goes is what's going really well with this. Oh, I am I'm I am really surprised because <laughs> when I walked in today and I, you said, uh, "Oh, here are the creme brulees," I was like, "You did remember we're doing Chardonnay today, right?" Mm-hmm. No, I am I am. And this was honestly, it was one of the ones that was like, "Okay, he showed he likes to say that it's a very diverse grape and it will go with a lot of things." So I was like, "You know what? We've got some chocolate creme brulee. Let's see what it does." Yeah. Let's see what it does with Thank it. you for proving my point for me. <laughs> yes, but we're going to have to try this with the other food. Yeah. Which is going to be interesting, too. So it, this is a... Okay. So this one, when you're tasting it, it is... To me, it tastes broader than the first one. The first one kind of was kind of acid-driven, really fresh kind of fruits. You know, I kind of just talked about how it, was, how it was linear and kind of ran through my mouth. This one kind of takes its time and... More, there's more to experience in this one to me as I'm tasting when I'm thinking about it. Yeah, I think, I think you said broader, which I think is sort of an interesting way to think about it. There is, I don't want to say there's, uh, for me, I'm not sort of getting more depth of flavor in the second wine. Yeah. I would say the character of the flavor is so vibrant Yeah, that it is a little more, I don't even I want to say interesting, but it's, it's just so sort of like sensory engrossing. Yeah. Um, Just like as a drinking experience. You know, the first one I thought was very nice, very elegant, very refined. This is a little bit like, you know, you're in like your four by four. You're going over some country roads. Yeah. Like, it's a little like, hang on, grab your, your okay. handle. And... <laughs> it's like driving out crickets. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's a really fun, a little bit maybe more visceral experience. Mm-hmm. Again, I think it works really well with your Toulouse sausage. Yeah. I haven't had that yet. Why do you, why, uh, what is it about it? To me, there is just this little note of like, there's this like sherry oxidative note that really works well with the Toulouse sausage and all, they almost sort of cancel each other out. So you're left with this really like almost sweet aromatic thing on the finish. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think I actually might prefer that pairing than, than the creme brulee. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It does kind of cancel, cancels that like kind of funky, like you said, oxidative sherry kind of note, which is, which for those of you who, if you've never had a sherry, that is kind of the, 
almost that like nuttiness that we were talking about that uh, the the wine has and this one you know it does go really well with the sausage it does leave that kind of bright floral which i didn't know that the sausage really had mm-hmm. but now that i i think back through it it's like it does have kind of a higher floral like a white flower kind of thing going on with it. Yeah, it's very it's very delicate. Yeah, as far as sausages go, this is one of the ones I love to do with white wine because you know a lot of people say you know white wine and this kind of stuff doesn't really go well, and I think I, this sausage to me begs to differ. Yeah, you know I think what is interesting, and you were choosing these two wines at random. Um, yeah. they both to me have this incredible salinity about them. There's they're very salty. Okay, but they're very different in that saltiness. You know. The first wine is very much like seashells and seashore and and there's a brininess. Whereas the second wine is much more like it's like you took your like chocolate chip cookies and put Malden on them. Yeah. It's, it's much is, more of like a confectionery yeah. sort of saltiness. Which is really good by the way. If you've never put really good sea salt on chocolate chip cookies, you're living it, your life wrong. Give it a try. It's it it will change your world. Or it's almost like it has that same effect as if you put black pepper in your pumpkin pie. Ooh. I don't know if I've done that before. I've heard it's I've heard it's lights out, like it's game changing. Interesting. But anyway, so did you try it with the risotto? I have. That was fine. It it didn't yeah. it didn't hurt it, but it, yeah. it wasn't an elevation like it was with the creme brulee or the sausage. Yeah, it was just kind of it's all right. Okay, moving moving on. Okay, so let's talk about this one. Mm-hmm. What? So is this? Can I ask questions about it? Sure. Is it floored? Is it floored? Um, perchance. Okay. It, it might be floored. Okay. So, okay, flooring for those of you, for everybody's edification out there. Um, what sometimes happens, or there's, it's a yeast strain, right? There's a yeast strain that you will, that winemakers can use sometimes in barrel. And what it does is it creates a, a oxygen stopping layer on top of the wine and it will continue to ferment and it gives some of these notes like sherry is floored. Mm-hmm. And that's one of its main characteristics of it, which helps you kind of understand it. And that's why I was asking, because those oxidative, those those flavors that you get out of it are very unique. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to say that this is old world, and I'm going to say this is from Jura. I guess we'll just have to see. Well, I, I'm just going to put that out there because I, I know you love Jura. And I also know that Jura does flooring with some of their wine. So that's my... Jura is a region in the eastern part of France, very close to Switzerland, right? Um, Yeah. Or clo- it's closer to Switzerland. Yeah, it's sort of um south of Alsace a little bit, so yeah. closer to Switzerland. I think, you know, not a bad guess. Not, I, I, who knows if you're right, but not a bad you guess. You know if I'm right. Who can say? <laughs> but it's really good. Okay, this is this is a Chardonnay that I would drink. I don't know if I would drink it with dinner, but it was it would definitely be something that I would drink, you know, before a meal with a, like with a with a good charcuterie board or some lighter appetizers or even at the end of the meal you know there's a, a pairing that i think would be really interesting there is and i'm totally blanking on what it's called but it, there's it's similar to jollof rice which is you know a staple in african and the caribbean but this has um like raisins in it mm. and i think that could be a really interesting pairing i think soy um and maybe some asian flavors could go really well with this do you think it would be a um like a sushi wine Sushi is hard. I'm. I have not really personally cracked the sushi code yet when it comes to wine. Champagne. Well, yeah, that's that's the safest thing. So that's right. what I always do. Okay. Um, I think you know maybe. I also think that some of the flavors here 
are making me think that think like Thanksgiving, like turkey, okay. dressing, gravy, especially if you're like the sort of the classic sage, like dressing, stuffing, yeah. you know, where you're from. I think this could be really interesting. It may not be a cl- crowd pleaser, so I wouldn't, you know, recommend <laughs> that everyone one, go out and buy one. Just have one bottle for those who know or those in your Thanksgiving party that yeah, are think, open to try. If you've got some adventurous drinkers, um, I would totally recommend it. But um this is not your this is not your mamma's uh Woodbridge. <laughs> no, it is not. If somebody asks if they're Chardonnay and this is the only Chardonnay you have, you say no. Yes. <laughs> you tell them that there is no Chardonnay in the house. That would that would probably be a waste of be, glass. <laughs> or, hey, just try this and tell me what you think first. Now, speaking of that, would you say that Chardonnay may be the most, one of the most popular wines to be in a restaurant? I would, I would say it's probably definitely the most popular white grape. Yeah. And I think, that, you know, when I was, that's something I was, I was pouring these, and I was like, oh, man, these are four great bottles of Chardonnay. That's not, you know. Oh, there's so many bad bottles of Chardonnay out there. <laughs> yeah. It's something that I, when I've written about Chardonnay for my readers, I, I try to give them the tools to look for better bottles. Yeah. And unfortunately, that's really difficult. And I'm not necessarily sure that there are more bad bottles of Chardonnay than there are bad bottles of Pinot Noir, um, which I think is another like hard to get perfect grape that yeah. way too much of it is produced. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I, I think Chardonnay is... is what I always told people when I was selling wine, you know, full-time every day, I was saying, you know, you can absolutely get, you know, this $10 bottle of wine. It's going to be fine. But Chardonnay is one of those where the quality really does improve as the price tag goes up. So long as you're sticking with a style that, that you know you like. Yeah. And like you, like you just said, the style is the big thing. And for me, I think it's, you know, finding that style that I really want. You know, we should probably do, just like we did with the liquors, at some point, we should probably do a high-low wine episode. I was just thinking about that when you started talking about Chardonnays, and there are a lot of bad Chardonnays out there. And I'm not just saying that because I'm not a big Chardonnay fan. There are just some bad Chardonnays out there. Yeah. And I think it would be very interesting to see the difference between an 899 Chardonnay and a 3899 Chardonnay. How about I pick the expensive Chardonnay? You pick the bad one. Okay. Or, I'm sorry, I shouldn't say that. You pick the less expensive one. Okay, I'm probably going to pick the butter. That's fine. Or something like that. It's just something well-known because, you know, like we did last week, it wasn't that a lot of those were bad. They were just made for different purposes or they're more mass-produced mm-hmm. rather than more artisanly made. Absolutely. And that's, that's I think that's really good distinction that you made. And that's something I try to, what I'm writing, I try to use the words mass-produced versus artisanal. Yeah. Because that that's really the difference here. It's not necessarily about price, because you can have artisanally made wines, you know, by these really great, you know, family wineries for fifteen bucks. Yeah. But you can also have, my personal opinion, really uninteresting, very, you know, corporate, very sort of blah wines for sixty dollars or a hundred dollars. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, because there are there are a few Chardonnays out there that are they're very big crowd pleasers that run fifty, sixty, seventy bucks a bottle, and I'm like, no. Yeah. And restaurants love those because they a lot of a lot of restaurants love those because they can sell them just by name just by name recognition alone. Oh yeah, I mean, and a lot of people who are in the wine world probably know one or two bottles that we're talking or about, or five or six or seven. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, there's quite a few, and probably the the folks who just you know go into a their wine shop notice when everyone has when everyone has you know the big names you know you can kind of tell. Yeah, that's why I always another thing I always tell my readers is. 
you know, if you go into a, a wine shop and you've seen everything, you know, you recognize, you know, eight out of nine wines, grab the one you don't. Yeah. Because there's probably, it's probably on the shelf because someone really likes it. Yeah. Not because it makes money. Right. Because a lot of times those have been sitting there for a long time. And I, I know of particular liquor, liquor stores that I can go to and I can find older vintages of stuff too mm-hmm. because they're not, they're not well known. And they're also, a lot of them aren't usually hand selling those wines, but they're good and they're just like little hidden gems. How'd it go? What do you think about it with the chicken? I thought it was okay. Yeah. This chicken's got a got a lot of flavor going on to it. Mm-hmm. They they didn't play very well, but they didn't they weren't bad. Yeah, I mean, I you know, it's say. very it's very hard I think to ruin a Chardonnay pairing. Yeah. Chardonnay is uh, you know, it's it's a very blank canvas. It's going to work with almost anything you need to throw at it. You can you can figure out a, a way and honestly, I would have said this morning that one of the few things you can't pair with Chardonnay is chocolate, but you may have just proved me wrong on that point as well. So <laughs> The right kind of chocolate with the right kind of Chardonnay. It I works mean, out. It works out just well. So do we want to reveal these and then go, or do yeah, you want to go let's, ahead and... Let's go ahead and, and reveal these. So All right, so... We'll do wine number two first. Okay, go ahead and dress them. And this is a Domaine Frederick Lambert Cote de Jura 2016 Chardonnay. 2016? So, 2016. Okay. You hit the nail on the head. And that that's mostly just because I know you. <laughs> and once you said it was floored. Yeah, it's, it's it, well, I mean, you know, there's very few places in the world where you're going to find a floored Chardonnay. Yeah. I mean, actually, I think there's exactly one Jura. place um, where you're going to find uh, floored Chardonnay. So it, it was something of an easy thing. But um, So what is it about Jura that the winemakers decide to floor their Chardonnay? I, I don't. Or do you... I think it's just ancient, relatively old ancient tradition. Okay. I don't know if there's a specific thing. I don't know if it's necessarily like Jerez and Sherry where there's a specific yeast strain that only occurs sort of on the beach in Jerez um, yeah. that makes them able to, to do Sherry. I don't know. Um, oh, one, find out, one fact I did learn today, Jura actually gave us the name Jurassic because the oh. rocks that the Jura region, it's very mountainous, and those rocks that it sort of sits on are kind of like were uplifted um, so you can kind of see all these striations, but the rocks came from... Uh, what we now call the Jurassic period. That is very cool. Which gave us Jurassic Park. Which gave us the best movie of, you know, I think every kid's childhood. Exactly. You know, when when that Tyrannosaurus beats the guy on the toilet, it's just fantastic. Mm, that was my earliest uh, my earliest uh, connection to schadenfreude <laughs> as a five-year-old, but I understood. All right, so what was this one? Wine number one. This is 2018 Kumu River Estate Chardonnay from New Zealand. Oh, okay. So you're right. It is a. It definitely is a New World wine, but mm-hmm. definitely, I think, an Old World style. Yeah, very much so. They're 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 definitely holding to a lot of those stylistic choices that are made in Burgundy. Yeah. And personally, I think you know if, if if you had uncovered that bottle and you told me that that was you know a village level or premier cru level Pliny Montrachet, yeah. I would have totally believed you. Cool. Um, yeah. All right. Well, let's go ahead and uh, head to the next two. All right. So we've got uh, wine number three and wine number four. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna put wine. This will be wine number four that I'm pouring. Okay. And I'm gonna pour it. A three here, and there we go. These are like in almost exactly the same bottle, and I have no idea which is which. (laughs) Give you that to pour. Can't quite reach you. Okay, so three, yeah. And they look, they look similar. Mm -hmm. One's a little bit cloudier. So, okay, 
We've talked about, you know, different winemaking choices. Is Chardonnay one that you would choose to unfine or unfilter? Like some red wines? I think you certainly can. I've, I've had some really interesting experiments with um, skin contact and, char- and Chardonnay. Orange wine, for those of you who may have heard that term. Yeah. Oh, gosh. The wine is called Marguerite, and I am, I believe it is maybe made by Wonder, is it Wonderwall? I'm, I'm probably totally getting that wrong. Um, also, a Scribe Winery from California. That's a Scribe. They yeah. also make a skin contact Chardonnay that's available in Arkansas. And I think they're really cool, really interesting wines. Um, I don't. I don't currently have a bottle or else that would probably be, <laughs> you know, under one of these wrappers. Um, I think it's really interesting. And, and yeah. again, that kind of just goes to why I say Chardonnay is just so incredibly diverse because you can do literally almost anything with it. Yeah. And it, I think it's uh, Wonderland. Wonderland. Yes. I think and, you're right. Cause they're ascribing Wonderland or I think they maybe have same on same winemaker. We're same owner. There's, there's Something. a, there's, there's a, a connection. financial connection there. Different labels, but almost like one is his more like his moneymaker and then one's just kind of a pet project when the the wonder wonderland labels are really cool they they do have a lot of reminiscence of alice in wonderland the king was it the two kings pino mm-hmm. that's really good it is yeah so it's so i just do these back to back okay um for two wines that look so similar <laughs> they're very different and are so like they are the same grape and i might be even the same vintage um, yeah, very, very different tactile experiences. Yeah. So the first, so the wine number three that we're tasting through, it's the one that's a little bit cloudier. It does have a lot of that, like kind of greenish hue in its yellow. I'm trying to make sure I don't get it in the yellow of the light and that we have in the room. Well, it does have that kind of like green apple kind of hue to it, but it is ripe on the palate, man. To me, there's this really... And I think this probably comes to the fact that there was maybe either skin contact or it's unfined or unfiltered. Yeah. There is this like um, shock tart, like green apple shock tart taste okay. to it, um, which for me is always kind of a like a signifier of there's some skin protein left in there. Okay. Um, really kind of interesting. Yeah. Uh, this is one I don't enjoy. It is. The flavors are really ripe and bordering on that thing that I don't like. Um, and it's just... It's the corn wine. It's almost to it. It's almost it's almost there in the flavor of it. And we talked about this last time you and I were together. We talked about how maybe it's more ripe style of Chardonnay that I don't enjoy rather than mm-hmm. oak. Uh, because that's what and that's why I said it's a really ripe. Because is this one are all these well, obviously the, the Jura is neutral oaked, but are these all like neutral oaked or stainless steel, to your knowledge? The the Kumu from New Zealand, that got a small percentage of new oak. Okay. Um, I couldn't find exact numbers on the ones three and four that we're tasting now, but I know they have. I believe they are both neutral oak. Um, I don't think there's any new new oak on them. Okay, because oak is Chardonnay is very receptive to oak, mm-hmm. and it's one of the things that defines a major style of of Chardonnay. Like most people's Chardonnays are the like Seth called it movie popcorn butter bombs have that really kind of and for me that's where I really get the cream corn like all over the place that I just don't don't care for and that's that's why initially when I was talking when I used to talk about Chardonnay I would say that I don't like it I don't like oat Chardonnay and mm-hmm. I was like well this one must be oat because I was getting that flavor but we dissect it and said, well maybe it's ripe over oat yeah. so would you say that this is kind of a more riper style I would. Um, that is part of what I like about it. It's a little like, <clears throat> to me, this is like the perfect like aperitif wine. 
I mean, it can certainly be used at the dinner table, but it's, you know, you've just arrived at the party. You want something to set the mood. It's a little sparkly. It's a little like, it's very, um, I personally, I just always equate wine to music. This to me is very like jazzy. Okay. Like it's very up tempo. It's very upbeat. Um, I just, I really like this wine. Um, I've bought from this producer, you know, almost every year they send out their, their release options and it's just, um, it's a more modern take on Chardonnay. It, I would definitely agree with that. It um, is not kind of why I wanted to include it. Yeah. It's, it's not, you know, it's not your Kendall Jackson, your Rumbauer, those sorts of, of style, but it is more of a, let's let this go for a while. Let's, we can, hey, we can grow this in a little bit, I think a little bit of a warmer climate and let's see what happens if we kind of leave it alone, you know, and let the grape show itself when it comes in a little bit more warmer climate. I don't get a lot of that salinity or a whole lot of floral either. Do you or? I'm not getting much, much saltiness. Um, There's a little bit of, of floral to it, but for me, it's just that overwhelming, like that, that sort of like sugar, like smarty, sweet tart, like, yeah, kind of thing. I um, get like canned peach. Like when I smell it, I, it reminds me of opening a can of peaches or sure. not peaches, uh, pears. Okay. I kind of get the dull fruit cup thing. Yeah. That yeah there's no sweetness that, on this. Now, yeah. why do we want to say sweet, like syrupy, but like, well, just that, that, that smell of that, of the, like the juice. glucose. Like yeah. it is, like, you know, like somewhere there's been some sugar. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, it's not in this wine. This is totally dry. But it just, you can kind of smell it in the air almost. Yeah, the fruit cup, the fruit cup call was very good because it does have that mixture of ripe, sweeter fruit. And then that, like, that one, like the cocktail, the juice that it comes in. In old school, old school fruit cups, not new school, less sugar fruit sure. cups. <laughs> you know, I, so I just tried this with the risotto. It's not, it's not really singing for me. Nope. So I'm going to try the other end of the spectrum. <laughs> We're going to see what the creme brulee does. <laughs> that could be interesting with that perceived kind of sweetness on there yeah i don't like that <laughs> it's not for me it doesn't do anything the yeah. the creme brulee just kills yeah kills the wine yeah well we, we found one yeah, pairing for the, the creme brulee so i feel like we're still doing pretty good that's all it needs man all you need is one one party one partner to the party yes so what are some when it comes to your travels have you been to many chardonnay regions have you been to so i've been to um i've of course been to napa and sonoma several times so lots of chardonnay there but for me, at least domestically, the, the one place that I'm most excited about Chardonnay is Oregon. Mm-hmm. You know, Oregon, of course, is right on the same parallel as Burgundy. And for so long, really since the 70s, um, Oregon has really been about Pinot Gris, Pinot Blanc. Um, yeah. And those wines are good, not knocking them. Um, but I, I'm, starting to, I'm starting to see some Oregon Chardonnays that are really giving me pause. Um, really, yeah. I think, you know, in the next few years, we're going to, we're going to see at least in quality, probably not in price. I hope not in price, but we're going to see, um, we're going to see these Oregon Chardonnays really going toe to toe with white Burgundy. Yeah. Um, and that's exciting. And we do kind of, I mean, it is kind of nicknamed, nickname, you know, America's Burgundy because it is on that same parallel, but mm-hmm. also a lot of, there's been a lot of winemakers recently from Burgundy or from France that will either come and be the winemaker and in Oregon or They'll just come and spend time learning Chardonnay and Pinot Noir in this in this style, and I think a lot of that. I think because of that, a lot of those conversations have rubbed off. I think some of that stylistic, and now Oregon is okay because America's. I think America's palate has started to move too when it comes to Chardonnay. Oh, definitely. So, so they're more comfortable taking the gamble to make Chardonnays that 
are more old world in style. Yeah. And, you know, I think we're kind of at a, I almost want to say a generational shift in Chardonnay. Yeah. Um, I think the American drinker, the wine drinker, has kind of been a generational shift um, where these big butterball Chardonnays that were really popular in you know, the late 80s, early 90s, early 2000s, um, they're just falling out of favor. And it's not, um, you know, nothing, nothing against that style if that's your thing. But um, you're, you're, their wineries are being met with this new, frequently younger generation of, of drinkers who want a leaner, more spelt um, sort of style of Chardonnay. And, and I think they're finally starting to, to see that and, and to be rewarded for making that. Yeah, which is nice. And I think, you know, talking about that shift in the palate, I think it also has to do with the younger generation coming up is sharing more with the older generation. Because I know that's one thing, at least in this household, that has happened and has caused a shift in my parents' wine buying is the share, like the sharing of things that are out there. Like, hey, I like this. Why don't you try it? And then you realize, hey, I actually really like this too. So you're having, even though you know the the younger generation who's coming up may have more money, may have more money or have more flexible income, you still you're starting to see also some of those people in the older generations who have more money that they can start spending, and they're starting to they're starting to use that power. And I think it is starting to change the market. Yeah, absolutely. So you just tried the lemon pepper wings mm-hmm. yep. with the Chardonnay, and I really liked that pairing. What do you think? So it highlights the things about this wine I don't like. Okay, well. My, I really enjoyed this and the sausage. Okay. It, it kind of mellowed out some of those things that I don't really care for in this, in this wine. Okay. Which, you know, it's probably going to be old world because I'm going to say that this is a new world one. I do think I do think just in the having more of those riper styles that it is coming from the new world. Sure, we'll find out. <laughs> so, uh, of the three so far, what's been your favorite? That's really difficult. Um, because they are, I, they, I get it. They are very, very different. Um, I just say the 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 Kumu River. Um, that is so classic and elegant and so like sophisticated. Like that's that is to me like the old Hollywood glamour of wine. Yeah, that I just really like. I could never say no to that. But I really enjoy this this wine from the Jura. It's like I have so many things I want to like pair it with. Like I, I need, feel like I need to stop by the grocery store and pick up some of that like boxed Thanksgiving like <laughs> stuffing just to like yeah. try it. Um, yeah. But again, you know, this wine, um, you know, wine number three that we're talking about here. This is a, a winemaker I'm personally just so excited about. Um, I think they make really fantastic wine, and I I love I love you know, getting each vintage in. Um, and this is, this is actually, I think the first bottle of this vintage that I've, I've had. Um, and for me, this is just like, you know, when it's hot outside and I'm just hanging out in the backyard, like this is a perfect, like beer equivalent of a wine. Like, I don't know what the, quite the white, right term is. Like, it's just the lawn mowing. Yes, so it's exactly. Your lawn mowing wine. Exactly. It takes exactly one bottle to mow the yard. <laughs> now is this, um, is this available in Arkansas? I know you talked about buying it from the producer. Um, this I think should be very soon. Um, it's not, oh. not yet, but I, I hope, uh, hope here in the next couple months it will be. Oh, okay, cool. Well, on that veiled note, let's go to the next veiled wine. Sure. So this is the wine number four. Um, it is a lot clear. It's more clear. It does have a lot of the same colors, but this one's almost a little bit more golden, but not like really deep golden. No. Um, I will say just. Personally, I put this into the same glass that held the Jura wine. Yeah. And so I feel like it's getting kind of masked by all of the Jura aromatics. So oh, you want a clean glass? 
uh, yeah, if you have one, I think Chardonnay deserves to be uh, to be poured into a a clean glass. Thank you. Yeah, there are a lot of those like nutty notes in it when you smell it, and I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, no, those are those are not this. That's a lie. Oh, that's better. That's that's more correct. <laughs> this is yeah. So it it's clean. It's it's got a lot of those appley tree fruit kind of notes in there. No nut, no nuttiness. No, no, none. no floored. But again, I am getting that sort of that salty, almost oceany sort of salt. Like you know, I'm standing on a dock somewhere, maybe. Yeah, that's good. I'm sorry. I, I, did you just say that's good? I, I do. I enjoy that one. Oh, wow. I'm sorry. Can you say that? Oh, oh wait. You are <laughs> yeah, recording, I am recording this. You, okay, perfect. You don't have to record it on your phone. <laughs> perfect. <laughs> it will be out there for the world. Now you're just gonna have to listen to the episode to hear it. I'm gonna actually make this my ringtone for when you call me. <laughs> my phone hasn't actually been off vibrate in about six years, but I'm gonna take it off vibrate just, just so you can call just me. Just when you know it. that I'm gonna call you. Oh, you're, this is good. <laughs> But no, I do enjoy it. It does have a lot of those lighter, like it does have the apple kind of tree fruit nuts, but it's it's a light. It's it does have some good kind of some like you kind of talked about. It has some has some lit. It's got good minerality in it, which I really enjoy in almost all my wines. But definitely when it comes to a wine, oh, a grape like Chardonnay. Yeah, yeah. This is to me is just so um, it's so linear. You know, you you talked about the Jura wine earlier. You said it was very broad. Yeah. Um, to me, this is just so spectral and linear. Like I feel like you were like shining a laser in the darkness. Like, yeah, like it just goes on until it hits the moon. Yeah, and that's I love that in Chardonnays. I really do, and because I don't want, I want that acid to drive everything through my mouth. I want it just to keep going and you know show, <laughs> see the signposts along the way, but not stop. I want it to hit the, and this one does that. It does, like I said, it has good minerality. It's got great acidity. It's the fruit is not over the fruit's not jumping out at you, but it's there. It's nice. It's well integrated. And that salinity that kind of just caps it off. You know, you talk about it, music. This is like a good full chord. Oh yeah. Like, and definitely in the higher ranges. Oh, yeah. This is when, when, when you've been through some dissonance in your, in your music <laughs> and you finally land on that big major chord and everything is just everything's, perfect. Everything's right in the world. This is, this is, this is really, really good. And I, I do think that this is an old world wine. I think because of that linearness and because of the, the minerality driving it through, I, at least I have not had ones in the new world that, that have that. And I could be very wrong and I'm okay with this that. This is Napa Chardonnay. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> it it's not. A, if this is Napa Chardonnay, I might buy a case of it, but no, it's it, not. <laughs> it's not. I'm sorry. I think, I think this is a, I think you may have, this is a burgundy. Who knows? I'm not going to, I can't. I'm not good enough to call villages. I mean, it might be a Chablis. We, we'll from we'll a, from unwrap cooler, it here in a little bit. Cooler year. And that Chablis we had, was it now, two weeks ago? It was last weekend. Was it last? It was. God, it was last weekend. Wow. Anyway, from last weekend was, you, you said they're, they're feeling the effects of a climate change. And I think that wine really showed that. Because it was, I, I would say when, when Chardonnays don't have that linearness to me, but they're not, they don't have that overripe flavor that they're just flabby. Like they just kind of hang around and. Well, so here, here, so just to give our listeners a little more context. So you and I, we were hanging out with some friends last weekend. We had a 2018, I don't say the producer, uh, but it was a Grand Cru Chablis. Mm-hmm. So 100% Chardonnay from Chablis 2018, which was sort of a, a, one of the better vintages, I would say in recent years in, in Burgundy, lots of really great 
fruit in all across Burgundy, especially in Chablis. Um, and I think you and I both agree that it just, it was just a little, it felt, eh. it felt flat. Yeah. It fell it, flat to the expectation of a Grand Cru Chablis. Um, and, and we were sort of hypothesizing the corner why, why that might be the case. And we said, you know, one thing, it may just need time to come around. That's always a possibility when it comes to Grand Cru wines. But, you know, 2018 was, I, like I said, a really warm year. Um, you know, people heralded it as like the vintage of the generation when it happened. Of course, you know, every, every vintage is the vintage <laughs> of the generation when it happened. Um, every good one. Yes. Um, so I'm not saying that these two wines are from the same place. Right. But I am saying that this is the same 2018 vintage. It's, it is from the same bit, yeah. yeah. So it just goes to show you that um, you just never know. Um, mm-hmm. You know, wine, wine making, place, terroir, um, it all, it all, all these almost insignificant things can really add up to make a huge difference in your wine. Yeah, especially, especially from producers that don't mess with the wine a whole lot. No. Or, or grapes that don't, or root, you know, laws that may not allow. Yes. I had to remember to eat some of the food because I just wanted to drink that wine. I, this might. You know, I always love coming on the show because the food is always great. This might be one of those things where just like the wine is too good. Mm-hmm. It's when the wine is really good, it's hard to sometimes find food. Yeah, because I mean, it went well with the with the risotto, but it didn't elevate it. No, it, personally, I I am craving oysters now. <laughs> give me some oysters. Give me some some maybe like some chowder, some lobster bisque. This it's it's seafood central right now for me. Yeah. I can get that, but I'm not, I understand that on a cognitive level, but I, I know that if I had, I'd be like, eh, no thanks. Yeah. It's hard to improve on perfection, right? <laughs> oh, goodness. Uh, and I would say that out of the Chardonnays that we've had, that Jura is just fun to drink because it's so different mm-hmm. and it's very, very fun. Uh, but this is obvious. This is my favorite and it's probably going to be, you know, quite expensive on the bottle if I had to guess. You know, are we ready to to? Un- I mean, yeah, un- we can go ahead. We can go ahead and okay. them. So we're gonna start with one number three. So this is the one that I'd say is probably your least favorite of the four. That's correct. All right, let me take this little cage off. <laughs> so this is a 2018 Michael Cruz Rorick Vineyard Chardonnay. So Rorick Vineyard is um, it's sort of in the Sierra foothills. So it's it's a bit further north in Napa, a okay. bit further east. So kind of the foothills there. Um, I believe it's in Amador County. So like it's not near Lake Tahoe, but it is sort of that direction in California. This I do believe is barrel fermented, but lots of lees contact. That's it. Lots yep. of interesting sort of natural wine things going on. They don't add any sulfur, I think, until the very last moment. And even then, it's just a very, very small amount. Um, but just, I think it's a really cool, very modern interpretation of the grape. I would say if if you are a if you are an oak an oaky Chardonnay person and you really enjoy that, but you want to try something else, I think this would be an easy step to to heading toward other one because it's you have a lot of those same kind of flavor qualities, but you don't have that oak. You do, ha- but you do get that. To me, that little bit more ripe funness that goes on, and I, I do think that would be a good little stepping stone. Yeah, it's it's not available here in Arkansas yet, but I have spoken with Michael Cruz um, several times before, and I know he's interested in distribution here. So I hope. So we need to start a distribution. I hope you know he makes some fantastic wines. His pet nats, um, his stuff is really are good. just some of my favorites. He also is behind the Ultramarine 
um, sparkling wine, which is a champagne method wine made here in the U.S., which is... Um, I have not had a chance to try that yet. Maybe one day I can I fix know. that for you. We, we saw a bunch of bottles last weekend, but you, you said yeah. those are going to sit for a while. Josh got to tour my, my largest stash <laughs> of wine. His, and, an, uh, his wine annex. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's, it's stored, thankfully, several hours away from my house, so I can't rummage through it you know, on, on a whim. But um, I think we can probably get you some Ultramarine. ultramarine we we can point. figure that out at some point. All right, so what's, this, what's the one that I really like? All right. No surprise here. This is 2018 Jean Dovisat Chablis Heritage. Okay, so this is just a village level, mm-hmm. Chablis. Yeah. So why? What do you think about the that Grand Cru made it so different? So I have a couple hypotheses here. You know, I think one is that it's Grand Cru, so okay. it's just a different level. Um, I don't, I could not find like a, a good technical sheet on this wine, so I don't really know too much about it. Mm-hmm. I think there's a little bit of neutral oak, but I don't know exactly what percentage or anything. I think that Grand Cru Chablis definitely got oak, which mm. I know you don't always love. Yeah, we looked it up. It had like it had some percentage of new oak, of neutral oak. Yeah. Um I also think that, you know, those Grand Cru slopes, they're Grand Cru because historically they get the best sunlight. Mm. So if you have a ripe year, they're getting extra sunlight, which maybe was a little rough for them. Yeah. I also just wonder if, you know, it's um, I, again, I don't want to say the producer, but it was a very well-known producer. If 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 you work in wine and we're telling you we're drinking Grand Cru Chablis, it's it, I promise you it's the first wine you're, winery that you're thinking of. Hmm. And um, I, I wonder if they just know kind of who their American consumer is, and I wonder if they just know that the vast majority of these wines aren't going to be aged. They're not going to be cellared. People aren't going to wait 10 years to drink them when they should be, and so they're making them in a style that can be a little more user-friendly a little more um early adopter that's purely hypothesis i don't know but right but i mean hands down I mean, this I'll, is the better one i was gonna say because i would drink this any day of the week over over the other one and i would i would guess i don't know how much the grand crew costs i would put that probably in the 100 100 to 120 dollar range and i i don't think i paid 25 dollars for this one right so uh here's a plug for all of you people trying to find really great wines at good prices, this is a fast select. How many of these are fast? I know this one is. Is the and Jura. the Jura. Yeah. So there is a. I mean, it's basically like an email listserv. He's he, well, he's an importer. Wow, yeah, fast is his name. Yeah, he yeah, and he imports wine, but he goes and finds a lot of really small family producers that are doing the fantastic wine, like Seth talked about, that you can find for a for. Not as expensive of a price, and he only sells. He only sells to consumer. Mm-hmm. He does Direct. not sell DTC. to. He does not sell to restaurants, or he does know, ship to Arkansas, which he, is very important. He does ship to the state of Arkansas. We don't want to shout that too loud, but he does ship to Arkansas. You, you can do it like backcourt, which so you can. What do you go? Is it a website that you join? Um, yeah, it's just yeah. You can go to his website. I think it's just fastselections.com. Um, and there are. Details there about how to sort of get on the mailing list, but it's it's just generally one offer per day. Usually, I think there's six offers per week, and you just you know you respond with what you want and how much of it. And and I I've been buying him from him for I don't know four or five years now, and and that is a lot of where my buying comes from. I've I've now been there or I've been a customer long enough to know the producers that I really care about. So. Mm-hmm. Though I said this is um, a winery that I love. I bought multiple vintages from him. And then in 2018, 
I bought a, at least two bottles of every wine that he made. Yeah. Because I knew that the reviews were trying to come in. 2018 was supposed to be a really great vintage. I had had his wines previously, so I trusted his winemaking style. Um, you know, his, I believe it's his uncle or grandfather is, is a super famous um, Shalisian winemaker with bottles that start in the triple digits. So I, I knew <laughs> the pedigree was there. And so I think I almost bought a case and a half, almost two cases just from this winery. Was that um, your seven case delivery? That was part of it. That was part of it. Part of it. Yeah, it'd be interesting to try. So if, I mean, obviously at some point it'd be fun to do. If Do you have a 2018 Grand Cru of his? I don't know if he makes a Grand Cru. I brought, okay. I, I don't, I really think I bought every wine that he makes. So if, if he makes it, I probably have it. Yeah. Um, I don't know if he does. I know he does multiple Premier Cru's. Um, I think maybe... Uh, five or more so okay it'd be interesting to try try his or any, even any other grand cru chablis and see if it was if it was a bottle issue or if it, if it was a like you said the sunlight you know just ripened everything too quickly it, it would be interesting to see but this is this is my this is the type of chardonnay that i love and this is chardonnay that i would would and do drink when i do buy chardonnay that's still not sparkling because that's a whole nother show I, I almost did bring some Blanc de Blanc champagne. I was like, well, that's really cheating. <laughs> that is cheating. Now, I will say, have you ever had a 100% Meunier Chardonnay? Or not Chardonnay, Champagne. Several. Yes, I love I them. I love them. them. They are so good, but you can't find them. <laughs> They're very different. Very I think we only get one in Arkansas. What do we get? Um, We get, oh gosh, I'm blanking on the producer. It's a um, Musée, Frederick Musée, Musée Fee. You get the Lord Eugene, and I I know it's Muse or I know it's Meunier dominant. I okay. don't know if it is one hundred percent. Um, you know, I've tried. I've asked our distributor if we can get some special club from him because oh yeah, that's another episode we should do. We need to do a special club episode. Special club champagnes are are a, a very small little niche in the world of champagne, <laughs> but it is a niche that I happily make my home in. Yeah. Um, and those wines are truly just mind blowing and incredible. Yeah, so Fat Cork, who's a Fat Cork is a is an importer, kind of like Bass is, and but he only imports champagne, and he does a lot of smaller producers of champagne, and they have one from, I think it's like Didier de Croix, that's how you pronounce it, and it's called Absolute Meunier, and it is one hundred percent Meunier, sold for like sixty five bucks a bottle. It is lights out. You know, it's really, and this is just for me personally, but as much as I love and respect Chardonnay. I really don't love Blanc de Blanc sparkling wines. I really prefer Pinot or Meunier dominant wines. Um, They just, they're a little more fruit forward. They're a little more like, uh, not to hate gingering things, but like they put the hair on your chest a little bit more, um, which is is what I kind of want out of my sparkling wines. Yeah. They have that lovely depth. They give it, they give the, they give the champagne such a, like a depth and a roundness. And, you know, we talked about how this Chablis is very linear and that's when I get Blanc de Blancs, that's that's what it is. It's like a laser shot. Yes. It's just a, like a laser shot across your palate. And if you love it, you'll love it. If not, there are really great champagnes out there. Yeah. I mean, you know, you and I had, um, was it two or three weeks ago, we shared a bottle of the Ruinart Rosé, which yes. I don't think any anyone with like a pulse is going to turn their nose up at. It was delicious. Yes. But it's just, even even this rosé, which, you know, of course, has a, a percentage of Pinot Noir, but, you know, in, in it, um, to me, it was just so dominated by Chardonnay. Yeah. Um, because it has that very 
it's felt very like sort of classically feminine. It's like the Catwoman of wine, like mm -hmm. very seductive thing. Um, but it just wasn't the sort of like punchy in your face, like I don't know, Pinot dominated sparkling wine always just seems a little more punk to me. Yeah, <laughs> um, and I really like that. Have you have you had the opportunity to try their um, Don Renaud Rosé? Uh, is that the vintage? Yeah, that's their vintage. Don uh, Renaud no, is their vintage. I've not had the vintage rosé. I've had the vintage Blanc de Blanc. So I was lucky enough when when we went to Champagne, uh, Renaud was one of our uh, was one of the places that we had a full tour at. And I've always heard that's like the best Champagne tour to do. It's amazing. Like they they do a full walk through in the cellars. I mean, Tat and Jay is great too. But they theirs is it's really good. But at the end, the tasting we did was regular versus Don Renaud. Oh, wow. And they let you choose, or at least they let us choose, if we wanted to do regular or rosé. And we all looked at each other and smiling and all said at the same time, rosé. Because rosé vintage champagne is a lot harder of to course. find. And it was amazing. Because it was a 04. I think it was 04 Runart rosé. Oh, wow. it, it was very, very good. And it had that kind of depth depth of quality compared to the the regular one and i'll tell you this if you ever do any kind of tasting like that or you do it on your own be very careful because you're going to ruin yourself you're going to always at that point you're going to always want tete de cuvées mm -hmm. of stuff and because it is it's a different animal oh you're so yeah you're so right because just in my own you know drinking i love champagne i love sparkling wine might even go say it is my favorite style of wine yeah i don't drink it because just in arkansas specifically my access to it is. My affordable access to it is very limited. <laughs> that's what it is, <laughs> the affordability. And that's why I love finding those those really hidden gems that are outside of Champagne. Like, I, I shout out to the moon a lot, but, you know, Cremant d'Alsace mm -hmm. is great, great stuff. And there's a few producers here in America that are doing some really, really good stuff at affordable prices. Yes. And, and you know, Ultramarine is, is up there in a, it's more of a tete-de-cuve tete price range, isn't it? it? You know, they price it in, in lots, so you get, like, I think I think last year's, my roasteries allocation was maybe, like, 280 bucks, but I got three or four bottles, so I don't, I don't know what that math is, but, yeah, I mean, it's, it's not, yeah. it's not inexpensive. Yeah, it's, it's more higher-end champagne And it's pricing. definitely the kind of thing where, you know, you have to have been on the mailing list, you have to make sure you buy it every year to <laughs> things, and... To do all that, and... Because it, it, you know, kind of like we talked about with the bourbon last week you know, with Blanton's, it it is an allocated special that people wait and wait and wait for, and then yes. jump on, and it's gone. Yes. Well, Seth, this has been really, really fun. Yeah. So I think I think you brought something to blind me with. I did. Is that correct? I did. Um, I don't know where. Oh, it's up here. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> so we'll go ahead and uh, we'll get that poured up, and then we'll we'll head into the blind. Perfect. Uh. So last time I was here, I blinded you on a red wine. Yes. And I was like, well, we're doing so much Chardonnay. Let's keep the theme alive. So another red wine that um, I, I'm not trying to throw you any curveballs here. So. Right. So I will, I should get it right. But as my track, as my track record shows when it comes to wine, surprisingly, I'm not very good at blinding it. All right. So like Seth, the, like Seth said, this is a red wine. It is I would say ruby in color and kind of goes out to that magenta watery meniscus. There's no real color color variation as it goes out to the edge. So I'm assuming it's a younger wine. Um, this uh, the viscosity is hard to tell. It's uh you know medium kind of tears on this. Nothing nothing super super ta talking in it on there. <laughs> okay, it's a clean wine. It smells of 
roses or flowers. It smells smells floral. It has definitely some like it definitely has some like red fruit characteristics on the nose. Not a whole lot of earth coming through. The the fruit is almost almost a little like I want to say candy like. Um, this. It's not real much. There's not a whole lot of like earthiness or any kind of this. There's maybe some little like dusty or like a light stoniness to it. I'm not really getting any kind of forest floor or any kind of mushroominess on it. There is a little bit of kind of nuances of oak. It does have some of those kind of baking spice vanilla kind of characteristics, but I'm going to taste it now. Um, this is a, it's good. It's clean. There's no faults to it. It jumps out with a lot of those kind of same red fruits that I was talking about. A um, does have a lot of those kind of red fruits. Some of that red cherry, strawberry, not quite like tart cranberry there. It's very, very good. It is a, it's kind of lean. The acid is definitely up there. So medium plus on the acid. The alcohol, alcohol is, is a little bit up there as well. Um, I'm going to say medium plus on the alcohol there. It, I notice it a little bit more in the back of my throat. Obviously, by Seth's face, I'm not quite right. Now, medium plus, Seth, is like 13. High okay. alcohol, high alcohol okay. is like 14 and a half and above. Okay. If, my... if you're going by 13, that's fine. <laughs> cool. Tannins are medium plus. They're very front of the mouth tannins. I'm getting them a lot along my gum line. Okay. Listen, I know you're buying this wine, but I'm going to interject here. Let's talk about what medium plus tannin means to you. Okay. So you're feeling them along your gum line. But last two, several weeks ago, because yeah. we're, we're, we're recording these, you know, a little bit out of sync. You, you did the Italian wine blind, yes. and you drink a lot, you know, you had that whole episode, and you drank some really fantastic Nebbiolos. Yes. Which we know was a high tannin grape. Correct. So, you, talk to me about the relationship of those tannins to these tannins. So, these tannins are really, really prevalent in the front of my mouth, whereas though I'm... Where those, and not on my teeth, they're not like fully teeth tannin, it's along my gum line, whereas those are like teeth, tongue, cheek, pulling at me. So maybe medium plus is not the right call, maybe it's more of a medium tannin, but it was, when I first did it, it hit me so hard. Maybe it's just because it's the first red wine I've had, you know, after a whole bunch of white wines, which it is which definitely. Is valid. But I do, okay, I would say it's more of a medium tannin. It's or maybe there. medium minus even, <laughs> I mean, who knows. So, Okay. <laughs> now, now I'm just confused. <laughs> well, I, I had, I had a, a direction I was thinking this was going, but it's not going that way. Well, it might. You never know. If anything, I think these four Chardonnay should tell you There's rely a... on your structure calls, which is a thing I think you've heard before. <laughs> yeah, it's something Seth tells me a lot. So the other structure calls, so medium, so 13 ish percent alcohol, medium ish to lower medium tannins. Acid is fairly up there. Um, really kind of lean. Just when you when I don't aerate it and do a whole bunch of that, it's a little bit more linear. It's not super round. There is a, some oak prevalence, but it's very driven to me by those flowers and the and the fruit. Can you talk to me about the oak prevalence? You say there is to me. There's some. So the the. So there are some of like the characteristics of like that vanilla, but it's not a whole lot. So that's why I don't think there's a whole lot of oak on it, but I'm getting some of those spices around the outside, but they're very, very underneath of everything else that's going on. I mean, this wine to me is, it's driven, it's really driven by the floral and the fruit and the characteristic of that fruit, which to me seems like it's, it's very ripe 
it's not like it's cooked or jammed or stewed. It's not quite candied. I don't think it doesn't seem like it's candy. It's not giving me that like super bubblegumminess of what people say is carbonic or has those kind of things. But I mean, would you agree it's kind of red fruity? Mm-hmm. No, I mean, I think I think your your flavor calls. Um, personally, I'm not getting anything that really indicates oak aging. Um, but I think your especially your calls of it just being so decadently floral. Like I feel like I'm like in a flower shop right now. Yeah. Yeah. And so getting into kind of the initial, kind of the initial call for it because of its, this is where I have a hard time is it's floral. It's fruit driven. There's not a whole lot of earth. It makes me want to say that this is a new world style wine, but the floor, well, it's because I'm not getting the earth undertones, but the floral is what makes me go, okay, well maybe it's actually an old world wine. Which I think it's more of an old world style wine. I think with some of the colors of it, I think we're looking at lighter or thinner skinned grapes. So we're looking more toward Pinot Noir, uh, Sangiovese. Not well. I want to say Nebbiolo because it's a thinner skin, but there's not enough tannin to be to be Nebbiolo. So Pinot Noir, Sangiovese, Grenache. Are those the only three? Let's rack our brains, Josh. <laughs> Well, I'm trying to I'm trying to go through my testable my te- my testable brain for old world wines. We have Grenache, we have Pinot Noir, mm-hmm. we have Sangiovese. Yep. You have. But there was a fourth grape. Cab Franc. Joshua. I'm just I know I'm going through the grapes that are testable from the old world, not what this is. Okay. This is not Cab Franc. <laughs> I mean, you do have Bordeaux style blends, which I don't think that this is. This is 100% its own thing. Okay, it's a 100%. It's old world. I mean, I want to say Pinot Noir, but I don't I don't think that's right with it being driven by the floral and the fruit doesn't feel correct. The other one is Gamay, which is down there. I'm not getting a lot of the characteristics that I think of a Gamay when it comes to oh no, 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 no. Floral, fruit, red fruit. <laughs> okay, so the so you know so lighter skin grapes this could possibly be Pinot Noir, Sangiovese, Gamay. Okay, thank you. <laughs> okay. That, that was the one I'll that... I'll put down my creme brulee for this. Thank you. <laughs> that was the one that I was missing. It's a, cool, it's a cooler climate and it, possible countries, since we're doing this, you know, the, the court way, you know, we're looking at France and Italy. And it, when I said it in the florality, I think this is a flurry. I think I'm going to... Is that your final call? I, I'm going to go with the... You want to give us a vintage? The, I think that this is a Beaujolais. Uh, I think it, I think it's from France. I think it's Gamay based. I think it's from the Beaujolais region. I think it is a Fleury. And when it comes to vintage, it's lovely, bright, and fresh. So we're gonna go 2018. And you're gonna have to come out, come back next week to find out if I am right or how wrong I actually am. Oh my god, a whole week of waiting. <laughs> I know it's so it's so tough for our listeners, but I really appreciate when you guys come back and find out that I'm wrong. And how many of you probably oh, chuckle at me? You're so smart, though. <laughs> Surely you're, one day you're going to get it right. One of these days, I'm going to land a red, a red wine. I have, I have very, very little faith in myself that it's going to happen. But it will happen one of these days. And next week is going to be a really good week because I don't know what we're going to be doing next for our beer week. Oh, no. And so I will... If I need to come back and bring some Trulies <laughs> or some high, some high <laughs> noons, I can do that for you. <laughs> we... <laughs> Um, but it's Seth, it has been great to have you on again. I always love when you come on. We have great discussions about wine and I, uh, and we get I, to do this again really soon. Yeah. Cause we're doing a wine tasting Well, you're coming to oh, my wine tasting. Right. So we've talked about on the podcast, we talked about, um, 
Wild Wines of the Zoo. Dad actually did win the tasting with Seth, and we're going to be doing it for my mom's birthday, which is coming up at the beginning of November, and I'm very excited about that tasting. Yes. So, spoiler alert, close your ears, Josh. It's going to be... The theme is Old World versus New World. Ooh. And so you will be given pairs of wines presented blindly. Oh, blindly. And the person who guesses throughout the tasting which wine, um, the most of like, you know, which is old versus which is new, right. gets a special prize. Oh, is it a bottle of champagne? I might have to cheat. It's not. Oh, well, dang. I think, yeah, I know you might actually, well, no, 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 you might, you might be able to still enter because... Yeah, I mean, if and if I don't, it's fine. This is going to be a tasting for eight people. I'm just happy to be involved and that the money's going to support the zoo. It's a or the zoological foundation, however yeah. we, we want to call it here in, in our state. But it's going to be lots of fun. I'm super excited. And, you know, this was fantastic, Seth. Now, has this changed your outlook on Chardonnay? A little bit. I think what it did is it reaffirmed the things that I like, mm-hmm. but it did show me other styles, which I, which I could enjoy. Sure. I do. I kind of understand a little bit more. Now the, the outlier for me was that New Zealand Chardonnay. Like, outlier in what way? Outlier is unexpected. Okay. I think it's one of the first new world Chardonnays that I've had that I was like, okay, I could get behind a glass or two of this. Yeah, it's really lovely. <laughs> it's very, very lovely. I, I truly believe, you know, if you, if you, um, if you told me that that was um, a village or premier crew level, you know, uh, white burgundy, I would absolutely believe you. Yeah, so New, I, New Zealand is is for me personally just on, on Pinot Noir and Chardonnay. Um, really exciting stuff is just happening down there. Yeah, they're they're really picking it up, which is like you said, super exciting. But that's you know that was to me that's why I said it was the outlier because I've never had a new world Chardonnay that tastes like an old world Chardonnay. Mm-hmm. But well, thanks for coming on, and of course it is always a great to have you on. Remember, Seth is at Seth E Barlow. Yeah, on Instagram, he's got a great Instagram to follow. If you are in the Central Arkansas area, check out his column in the democrat gazette it comes out on thursdays uh wednesdays wednesday oh, but i'm no. terrible at posting it on social media that's so why <laughs> it typically doesn't get posted to social media until like thursday or friday but if you are a um subscriber to the arkansas democrat gazette or the northwest arkansas democrat gazette um you will get it on wednesdays and so check us check them out it's it's bottle shots and it's a great it's a great one. If you love us for learning new things, it's another great one to have. And every once in a while, you're mentioned in it. I do do write I do write descriptions every once in a while about some wines that I enjoy. Well, Seth, again, thank you for, for bringing all this. And if you like what we're doing, give us a like, a follow, a stars, whatever you feel like doing on all your social media platforms. We are at Acquired Tasting on Instagram, where we are most active. We're on Facebook and Twitter as well. And give us a follow on your favorite podcast platform. And once again, this is Josh Mills, and we'll see you next time.